you know, that hour of hair and makeup happening, you know, you can almost feel it bubbling up inside you, like, oh god, now it's my turn to go on stage and perform. Okay, that's a little bit higher for me. There you go, amazing. Drop your hand down for a couple of friends. Passion. Look into that spotlight that's giving you a lot of heat, yeah. A strong and barely controllable emotion. What is it about black and white that you're always just... Timeless. Timeless. Yeah. Beautiful. Emotional. One image can draw anyone in. It's a powerful feeling. I would like to inspire. 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 A world full of dreamers, storytellers, moment makers and iconic creatives. It's actually a magical moment. It's like, wow, the power and then the build up, the anticipation and then he just sits down and you hear all the shutters going 90 and all the photographers screaming at the models to make sure they're going right down the centre. For creative people, if you don't keep, if you don't get that creativity out of your brain, you're going nuts. I want to evoke the raw meaning and passion that lies beneath some of fashion's most iconic moments and uncover the demanding and challenging endeavours that particular creatives face while working in the fashion industry. It's not a job for me. This isn't work. 29-year-old fashion photographer Lee Malone has an undeniable love for storytelling through any medium, but mainly through his fashion photography. Like if I wake up and say it's work tomorrow, I'm not going to come in. I wake up, I'll wake up at any time to start shooting. I won't wake up tomorrow at 5 o'clock and go to the gym. <laughs> That's not going to happen. I'll wake up tomorrow at 5 o'clock and drive to the west of Ireland and shoot for four hours if I wanted to. Because it feels good. It's work. It's not work. It's This is this is a, it's a passion that you need to have. And if you start losing that passion, you just got to change it up. Go somewhere else with it. If I have something in my head, I go and draw. I don't have to go and take photographs. I go and write a story. I do kids' poetry. Because, again, you're not just one creative. Creative people are creative. It's not just because you can do one thing. You do one thing because you're good at other things and you bring it into one aspect. So, like, art, storytelling, that all then goes into my fashion shoots because everything is a narrative. There's a start, middle, and end. So I shoot it like it's a film and I do a storyboard and I write it all out. The way in which Lee envisions his fashion shoots is inspiring. He has a talent and style that's like no other. Likewise with fashion photographer Aaron J. Hurley. At only 17 years of age, Aaron's career skyrocketed to success and saw him shooting for the likes of H&M, Tatler magazine, Michael Kors and even Vogue.com. You literally didn't even study photography before you became a photographer, did you? No, hadn't a clue what I was doing, God bless me. Now at the age of 20, Aaron's career is going from strength to strength. But where did the 17-year-old photographer get the confidence to take on the fashion industry? Missing his Leaving Cert school mocks to attend Fashion Week was a strong indication that Aaron had the drive and perseverance that it takes to be a fashion photographer. Aside from his evident talent, these two factors would prove essential when striving for bigger and better opportunities in the fashion industry. So my first season of Fashion Week, and I barely tell this story to anyone because I was mortified, so I thought that Fashion Week was kind of like something that everyone just goes to and you have a ball and you go to all the shows. So the first season I went there, I hadn't got a ticket to my name. Like I was standing outside and it was in Somerset House at this stage. So you're literally just walking around the courtyard, but everything was happening at that stage. It was all in the courtyard. And obviously I couldn't get access to the shows or anything like that, but you could kind of get a sense of what it's like to see all these people everyone's like dressed up in their absolute like incredible fashions like walking around just waiting for their photograph and that alone was enough for me the first time I went and then the second time 
I had gotten in touch with a UK magazine. And I was like, this is the only way that I'm going to get into a fashion show and actually see something happening. So I got their accreditation and they got me maybe three shows and then the rest, I completely blagged my way in at the door. So I just was like walking up to the security or the PR and I was like, hey, I'm from blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, we haven't got you in the list. I'm like, oh my God, my editor is going to kill me if I don't get this show. And they're like, oh, go on in. And because I was so young, they were kind of like, oh, he'll be grand. He can fit in anywhere. He's so small. And one of your images even ended up on Vogue. Yes, I was so lucky. And it was kind of a pinch me moment because basically it was one of the last shows of the season and it was um, a sheesh. So it was like really going to be a crazy show anyway because the colours are always 90. And basically he had the models in huge, big Afro wigs. And there was one model in particular, Poppy, who I'd shot at a show a season before that remembered me. So I was chatting away to where they're all the same age as me. So it's much easier to communicate. And I was just like, hey, could I get a quick beauty shot of you? Bring your nails up to your face, blah, blah, blah. So everything was in picture. And then came back to Dublin. And then maybe two days later, I was just like scrolling through Tumblr, like really casually. Next thing I saw my own photograph and I was like, wait, this is like Vogue Runway's page on Tumblr. And it turned out it was on like American Vogue Online, French Vogue, British Vogue, Vogue Runway's website and all of their social media. So I was like, this is ridiculous. And it was described as like the beauty look of the season. So I was like, oh my God, this is ridiculous. Couldn't get over it. Screaming down the phone at my mom, screaming at everyone that I knew. I was like, this is a joke. I can't believe it. My heart was pounding. And I know it's really, really competitive. Because like that, you guys just have a tiny little space to work with and you all want the same image. Yeah. How do you go about getting the better image than the guy next to you? Oh God, it's crazy. So basically the day before Fashion Week starts, they have like a markup day. So basically you go into all the different show spaces with a little marker and some tape and you like pick your spot on the ground. And in some places they have the tape all made out like in little triangles and you're supposed to fit in them like you wouldn't fit... If you put like a pair of shoes on the ground, that's what it's the size is and you have to fit all your gear and everything with you. What I've found recently is that photographers will go in and like rub out other photographers' names and other like publications and fair enough, if you, if somebody else sat down in your spot, the photographers around the place, although it's really competitive, will call you out and be like, no, that's not your spot. Okay, that's good. Yeah, so, so there it's is fair. a bit of yeah. You guys know where you stand with each yeah, other. Yeah, exactly. Of thing. But at but the end of the day, it's cutthroat. <laughs> yeah, completely. The highly competitive and cutthroat nature of the fashion industry makes it evidence that you have to be clever in how you work the industry. This is a multi-billion-dollar global enterprise. Therefore, it's inevitable to incorporate the business aspect of the industry into the visionary. How do you find incorporating that aspect into kind of making it still be a creative environment? Um, well, at the end of the day, let's say Lee Malone or any other photographer's name is a company. Like, I'm a brand. Um, I don't want me or my face out there. It's my work that should be talking for itself. Like every artist. Um, and that's how I see it. I see it as an art form more than just taking photographs, pretty things. The business sense of it is getting the right stuff out of your work. And this is exactly it. The fashion industry, and more specifically fashion photography, is not just about taking pictures of pretty things. I do think as a stylist, part of what you do is PR anyway, because you have to know how to sell a product and you have to know how to promote a product. And that's what makes a good stylist, I feel. Fashion stylist and creative director Courtney Smith is the perfect example of somebody who oozes creativity and also manages to work the industry from a business point of view. You have to keep yourself busy and surrounded by fashion and constantly involved in what the industry is doing and how it's changing. So you mentioned there that you worked really hard to try and get a book together. Like, There's so much more that goes into shoots than just the image on the page. Yes. Like, 
booking models and everything like do you want to give me a little bit more of an insight into kind of the business aspect or the kind of pre-production aspect of producing a fashion shoot yeah I think that's the one bit that people don't even realize as a stylist you're also the producer you're also the creative director so you're booking models you're booking the team so the hair makeup if there's a set designer um you might have pre-shoot meetings a lot of the time people are too busy so it might be done like via emails you have to produce a mood board and obviously with a mood board you're collaborating with the photographer and maybe the hair and makeup as well so everyone's kind of giving you their ideas and you have to put that together so the client or the editor can see that Uh, a lot of the time there's permits involved so you have to apply for permits well in advance Uh, you might have to rent a location so that's all the stuff that gets kind of put together and that's before you even look at pulling the clothing and and requesting clothing from samples from designers you might have to get them flown in from you know the the states or the UK then you also have to arrange to do sign outs from stores so a lot of the stores here you know you have to schedule it so at nine o'clock I'll be at River Island and then at 10 o'clock I'll be at Brian Thomas so it's a lot more goes into it than just turning up a bunch of clothes and and making pretty pictures there's um, you know, every shoot for me would be a minimum of four to five days work. So it's given from this conversation that there's so much more that goes into these shoots and the politics behind it and like getting the models and choosing the right people. But a lot of people often think of the fashion industry as quite a frivolous industry and that there's not that much mm-hmm. meaning to it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I love your reaction already. <laughs> <laughs> what would you have to say to this? I don't know. I think you really need to just bring someone on a week, you know, working with you for them to understand that it's extremely tough to, you know, even get by on fashion as well, because it's one of those things that you're you're waiting three months to get paid. You're struggling the whole time to kind of prove to other people the whole time that you're good enough. And then at the same time, you've got people underestimating you at the, telling you, you know, oh, it's only photography. You're only like, I can, it's a good camera. You can pick it up. Anyone can do it. You know, it's that kind of, people have that mindset that, you know, it's one of these really easy jobs that, you know, oh, you're, you weren't that clever in school or something. So you, you fell into fashion and that's how it worked out. But really, it's, it's really, really tough. And you need to have a certain personality to be able to work in it. It's not often that people just fall into fashion. It can take a lot of perseverance. A quality that is definitely seen in Connor Clinch, a fashion photographer who decided that in order to further his career, he needed to travel to one of the fashion capitals of the world. Moving to London at just 18 years of age to follow his dream, Connor has now worked for the likes of Wonderland magazine, Adidas, and he even got the opportunity to be mentored by iconic photographer Rankin on Sky One's The One to Watch. However, it wasn't all plain sailing for Connor when he took the plunge and moved to a foreign city. So I flew over to London to find out what led him there and the outcome of his move. Coming to London was a big deal and you were so young. How old were you when, when you first came here? I moved over when I was 18. 18. So what was it that made you think like, okay, right, London is where I need to be and especially so young. Like, What, what made you, what, what was that drive behind you that made you want to come here? Um, I mean, Dublin is great but I feel like there's only so far you can go and then you need to just in fashion I mean get you know go to one of the cap like one of the fashion capitals and work there I feel like just for the opportunities really clear of the door. Clear of the door. 
Coming to such a big city like this and having so many other people kind of in the same boat and like trying mm. to go out there and like get all of these opportunities, how did you cope with this? Because surely it's a lot of pressure. Oh my God, yeah. So much pressure. I mean, I suffered really badly from anxiety when I moved over and I still do. And it's something that I like, you know, now that I've kind of, I wouldn't say overcome it, but can't learn how to, you know, deal with it a little bit better. Um, yeah, it's like something that I kind of want to speak about more in like in my work. And it is a thing of like just moving away so young that you're kind of hit with all these responsibilities so quickly. You know, I when I, I moved straight over when I left school, I didn't really have many friends here. Um, I didn't really know where I was going. I kind of came over on a whim and was like, what am I going to do, you know? And then telling everybody as well, it's kind of like the added pressure of like, oh, you better not come back now or he's going to fail, you know? Yeah. <laughs> See how long he lasts. And it's kind of like proving people wrong a little bit, you know, especially even like my mom and stuff. Before I moved over, she was like, ah, yeah. Right, well, let's see how it goes. But um, yeah, I, it, like that was really scary and that really had an effect on me, I, I think. You need to be in the right place <laughs> to, to take it on, you Do know? You mean like the right headspace? Yeah, definitely. Right. Um, where I was kind of just, I kind of just threw myself in the deep end, didn't really know what to expect. But honestly, it shut me down. Like for a long time last year, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. It's like, I, I just, I just physically just don't have the mental capacity to, you know, just constantly being, trying to trying to push myself and trying to do all this when you've got so much responsibility on your shoulders and you're like, shit, you know? I mean, there's so many unglamorous and, and moments, more unglamorous than glamorous, in fact, um, constantly shooting in the rain, like, obviously um uh constantly shooting in the rain and obviously that's a that's a situation when you are there is horrible because you're soaking wet and you're trying to make the clothes look good but also in post-production nobody wants a raining shoot so i remember shooting a festival shoot for primark once and it was three models and we literally were all standing we were soaked to the bone so much so that you like you couldn't even get warm when you got home like and it's like like there's so many more days of that but the images actually turned out gorgeous in the end so you're like I'll grin and bear it exactly so you yeah. kind of do what you have to do to get the image exactly how does it feel eventually when your work comes to life and you see it like there in the magazine or like in the campaigns what is that feeling like for you it never gets old it's just one of those things that you know no matter what it is, if you have one image or an, a 12 page story, when you open the magazine, you see your work printed your, and your your name credited. It's just like a weird feeling. You're like, oh my God, I produced that. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I still get like, I've this, I'm over nine years doing it now and it's still the one thing that gives me a buzz. Like I get so excited to see the not not even necessarily in print but like the the, the finished result when I see you know because it could be months of planning of, of getting all this together when you finally see it done you're like yes because a lot of your images are really like character driven what is it about portraits that has you so intrigued um because I can go in and completely dissect a person like know exactly who they are straight away and then I'll shoot them so I won't even go near my camera. Do you mean like you, you kind of talk to them or get, build up a I sit down for a good them. hour, have a cup of tea. The majority of those portraits that you've seen yeah. would be um, them. It's it's I want them to see them as them and not as someone taking a photograph of them. They're intimate. Like it's an interview with my camera at the end of the day. 
straight away when you sit down then they don't see you as somebody that's trying to like rob a picture of them you're they're kind of like we're both working to create something beautiful lie back down for me that's the only thing so you can get even lower this is a world that thrives on building relationships and energy the background to particular shoots can have beautiful tales or sometimes just a raw portrayal of everyday life in its most natural form. But whatever the narrative may be, it's the emotion given to the shoot by the creative team that actually really brings the final images to life. How important is it to get a good relationship with the photographer? I think it's really important. Um, I think the rapport that you have and the relationship that you have with the photographer will very much... Uh, influence the end product of the images so you know the photographers that I work with and that I've developed a relationship with um, you can kind of see it when the outcome of the like I said of the images come out because if I work with a team that I've never met before I might be more hesitant to you know say have my input I might kind of let them do their thing and and not not be more fluid. Like if I'm working with, say, for example, Alex Hutchinson, who I work with a lot, um, we really vibe off each other. So I'd say to him, do you know what? I don't know if that, that dress is working that way. Let's try it this way. And he, he feels comfortable enough to say the exact same back to me. He's like, do you know what? That's not working in this situation. Can we change it up? It's very much a collaborative process and you have to be able to work that way to make the images turn out the way you want them to. A particular favourite shoot of mine is The Children of Lear, a beautiful Irish legend that unfolds through the dynamics of the clothes that was shot for Al Croatia. That was great. That was a fantastic shoot to do. Two and what, days. what was the story behind that shoot? I'm mad for tinkers. <laughs> but 1970s Irish tinkers, the real McCoy, like, travelling around, fixing stuff, wearing Irish, being Irish, loving the land. I love seeing old pictures knocking about from from that era and um, kind of snaps that look incredible and I tried then to bring that into my fashion photography I mean all, all of my lines of photography has a bit of a gritty Irish in it and um, I love my landscapes I love putting individuals in those landscapes so like, I did that with this with Elle um, two ginger girls as I do love ginger girls as well loads of them in there in the, in the, in the west coast around Doolan and Clissamore and then I, I always love mythology and I always want to try to get mythology into my in my work and it never really works but for this one it did and it's probably the, first, the only one I've done that had that Children of Lear story that made sense to us no one else knew it but that's what makes it more intimate uh, and, and you're more connected to it and when you look at the story after you know and it was Children of Lear you're like oh shit yeah I can see it now it's kind of that dreamlike idea of, of life in the west of untouched land. I know that on the L shoot, I remember during hair and makeup, you gave the, the actual story that you'd written out to one of the models to mm -hmm. have a read, to really get herself into her character. Yeah. Would you do this often? Do you find that it helps with your models? I do it all the time. It, it helps me. <laughs> Cause I, when I'm on set, I'm, I'm like, I do be wrecked after shooting. Cause my mind would be going 90 cause I see everything. Um, and it helps me to get up and, and tell this model now, while she's sitting down, getting her hair done or whatever, the whole story of who she is and what she's doing here, and not just coming over. Because the, those, those girls are knocking around, doing loads of stuff. And you go off and do e-coms tomorrow and it's shit for four hours, or eight hours even. And then they'll come to the west of Ireland 
and they're in this beautiful place and they might think I'm just doing the same again. So I wanted her to feel part of this adventure or the story. And she did. She really did actually, um, Jess, she got really emotional. She really felt it, um, which is great because like that's, we got, the stuff I got from her was fantastic. And then Anya came down the next day and it was just two of them together. It was just brilliant. So, so Ginger's drinking Guinness. Yeah. What more could you want? What more do you want? <laughs> Lee's desire to have his models embrace particular characters highlights the way in which clothing has the capability to represent particular identities. Connor managed to capture the very distinctive identity of lad culture in his work Fresh. So Fresh was an idea I had for quite a while. Um, it, it's, it revolved around, you know, kind of inspired by that North Dublin lad culture where it's, you know, a, a lad who is very proud of his looks and, well, kind of, you know, really likes to dress well and and really loves to, to feel fresh and to have his, his hair perfect and to look good all the time. Um, so that revolves around that specific type of guy. Not only is the idea of lad culture to look and feel fresh, often wearing European sportswear, it was also seen as an entry card to pubs on match nights. For going traditional team colours to avoid brawls as obvious fans were barred from entry, hooligans would dress in high-end labels to allay suspicion. This hooligan chic has now become a fashion culture in itself. The shots are still some of my favourites today. Mostly the street cast lads, because we, we, it, it was a bit of a mix, so we kind of mixed it in with models that have a background and that kind of you know, culture, and then we, we mixed it in with guys from the street. So we went out and we street casted guys in Croydon um, and all around kind of South London for the project. So it was really good, it's nice as well, because um, there was like, for example, like one of the guys was like a scaffolder and you put him in front of a camera and he's like, what do I do? But he's, you know, really confident in like his day job and stuff. Um, so it's nice bringing, bringing a guy from a completely different background into your world and putting them in front of a camera and, watching them kind of freak out. <laughs> and then as well, there was another guy who uh, he was a, a proper hard man on the street when I approached him, you know? And uh, then he came along with his mom. Yeah, he put me in front of a camera and he uh, he got he was super shy. It's crazy. So yeah, it's crazy. So it's kind yeah. of nice to be able to capture like that bit of vulnerability. Oh yeah, that was it. Yeah, it's totally the vulnerability of the guys that in, 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 a, in an environment where they were so a bit like, you know, but then as well, I wanted to get out the side of them, that kind of really tough side to them in the photographs. From identities and status symbols to adrenaline and passion, our lives are inevitably influenced by fashion. Sometimes in ways that we don't even fully realise. What do you want people to feel from from your photography? Just a sense of, you know, you, I want people to want to be them. If that makes not in a not in a vain way, but like to be proud of them on the page, to be proud of looking at those of, of, of that girl or that guy or there's an emotional connection when I shoot to the subject. And I love eyes and hands and little little small imperfections that they hate, but I love because they hate them. So. There's different things of that, like maybe it's just these things people need to see them who they are and, 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 and it be real again. People have lost the sense of real. Have you ever seen a campaign or a shoot that's really made you feel something? Yes. 
I remember seeing the uh, the Annie Leibovitz one that she did in Ireland, which was uh, for Vogue America. And I mean, it was playing up on the Irishness kind of vibe, but it was um, that supermodel Daria and it was just so incredibly beautiful because it was showcasing the most iconic spots of Ireland, but in a really incredible editorial way and it was mixing scenery with fashion and I I dare anyone to look at that and not evoke some sort of beautiful feeling and obviously proud as well because it was such an established magazine like Vogue America to look at Ireland um, and it wasn't in a diddly eye kind of way it was in a high fashion editorial and it was shot with the most incredible you know designs Alexander McQueen was in there Chanel was in there and it just looked absolutely amazing and it's I think that's actually that actually gave a lot of Irish people kind of looking at these places in a slightly different way and also looking at fashion in a different way, I think. I did an interview on TV about it afterwards and we were, I was on with uh, Tourism Ireland and they were talking about what a big deal it was for Ireland to have a shoot like that in American Vogue. The meaning and thought that goes into these fashion shoots is undeniably romantic and epic and it speaks to the creative team on another level, always with the intention of inspiring. There are a few portraits of Kate Moss that I was like, these are next level. Like, no one could ever produce, could produce a portrait like that again because it's so raw. And I think it was shot by Mario Sorrenti. And he was obviously, you know, going out with Kate back in the day. And it was just one of those images that you could tell they had a different level of bond in the photograph. And it was just permeating almost from the image. And it was such a beautiful image, but you know that it could never be recreated and that was what the most exciting part about it was. There was like, that was their moment and she can never have that with anyone else and he can never have that with another model. So what they created is so unique. The fashion industry has emerged as a force in popular culture with so much to analyze, dissect and explore. At a time when the industry is experiencing unprecedented change, it's inspiring to see the strength of the business of fashion grow with the emphasis still being on the creative. The light and the shade in the work of these creatives is truly inspiring. This has been Shadows in the Light, unveiling the craft and the graft behind fashion's most inspiring imagery. Presented and produced by Megan Fox for DITFM.